Um, so John chapter six, starting at verse one. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are, you where are we going to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what, but what are they so, for so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when, he had, when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, to him, they said this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at land to which they were going. Becca, thanks so much for reading a passage for us. Um, there's a handout on the table and also should be on the email as well. So if you do have it in front of you, uh, you find it easier to follow along. Some of you might have met my sister Jane. Uh, she was here guess about a year and plus ago. Um, and some of you might know as well that about six years ago, she um, had cancer. Uh, she went through remission and she's fine now, but having cancer gave her the opportunity to speak to people who were going through the same struggles as her. And it was this particular friend that she was trying to reach out to. Um, and she found it really hard to speak to her because um, her pastor, was telling her that, well, Jesus, if she believed in Jesus, he would promise to heal her. And so that friend of her, she was praying desperately to get well until the day she died. Well, whether she kept believing or not, I don't know. Um, but that really raises a key question for us today. What did Jesus come to do? And so understanding this question rightly, or wrongly can have devastating impact um, on your own personal faith. See, if Jesus came to heal, one must conclude that either Jesus doesn't really love her or that he doesn't exist at all. 
But it's not only important to understand for yourself, but it's also how you communicate to others. Uh, perhaps you look around to your office floor and you look at the people who are there. People are healthy, they're very decent, and also very nice. And so if you came to heal, what has Jesus have to offer them? So I wonder what you guys said as you thought about the last Christian conversation that you had. Uh, how was Jesus presented? What did he come to do? Well, for the next week, uh, for this week and next week, we're going to be looking at John chapter 6, and we're going to be tackling it in two halves. And this week is all about what Jesus came to do. Uh, but next week, uh, we will see uh, why he was rejected. But it's a further nuance to this question, what did he come to do? I look down the handout with me. Uh, if you look to chapter 5, verse 46, it gives us the context to chapter 6. Uh, reading from verse 46 of chapter 5. For if you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe his words? Uh, my words, sorry. I think what Jesus is saying here is what he has come to do must be seen in light of what Moses wrote of him. So today we're going to reach back a little into the Old Testament uh, to understand what Jesus is saying here. So what did he come to do? Uh, let's look at what God is saying to us today. And the first thing that Jesus came to do, he came to do miraculous signs. I look down to verse 5 of chapter 6. Lift, lifted up his eyes, then seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread for each, each of them to get a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. And now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his, his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Jesus feeding 5,000 is an iconic miracle. It's captured the imagination of many young uh, kids reading the kids' Bible. Um, they say, offer your, your, uh, what you have, your packed lunch to Jesus, and he will multiply it. But even though it's a very familiar uh, story, it's no less miraculous. Uh, 5,000 men, perhaps not including uh, women and children as well, Let's put the number to 10,000, all fed with one meal of bread and fish. Today, those who are, of us who are here in person, we have sandwiches provided by Neal Street Espresso. And imagine uh, we're having toasties uh, for, for lunch. And the, the ratio, one is to 10,000. Imagine when we came here, we start off with one crumb uh, to feed all of us here. And that's what we started, one crumb uh, to feed all of us. One is to 10,000. And so it's a miraculous offer of food. In fact, with 12 baskets full left over. And similar to a point we made last week, uh, this is a public miracle. It's done in open. It's verifiable. 
And if John, he fabricated this eyewitness account, like the claim of such a public miracle would easily be um, uh, disqualified. You know, you could check with anyone, were you there? Were you one of the 5,000? Um, were you there to see it happen? So John, you see, he's not hiding in the cave, claiming to receive a vision or a message from an angel and calling it the Quran. No, this is a public miracle done in the open for all to see. Well, but what is this miracle all about? You see, different people have tried to apply this passage differently. Uh, some suggest that it's Jesus providing abundantly for us. Uh, is that true? Uh, perhaps. Uh, but sometimes he doesn't. Uh, some people suggest that, well, nothing is impossible for God. Is that true? Of course that's true. But why this specific miracle? Uh, some people suggest that Jesus came to do miraculous signs. Uh, so we should also expect miraculous signs in our lives. Well, is that true? Or what is this miracle all about? And so the operative word uh, to understand is the word sign. Um, about what, five, six years ago, I was traveling in the States with my wife and we were doing, um, uh, we we're driving around the US and we went to Las Vegas. And I'm sure you've seen the famous Las Vegas sign. Uh, Welcome to fabulous Las Vegas with the lights, a white, blue and red sign. And like dutiful, dutiful tourists, when we saw the sign, uh, we stopped, uh, we got out uh, to take a photo. But imagine instead of uh, leaving, uh, we, we start to pitch a tent over there. Uh, we set up shop for the night and we came there by the sign. It's a bit silly uh, because the point of the sign is the, is the point to which the sign was pointing to. Um, the point of the Las Vegas sign uh, was to get to Las Vegas and not the sign in itself. And so the, mirac the miraculous sign here was pointing to something else. So what is the miraculous sign pointing to? And that's where we come to our second point, which points to his new Exodus rescue. I'm not sure when Becca was reading a passage, uh, you caught many hints of the, the Exodus. Uh, verse 4, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Uh, the Passover feast, uh, for those of you who are familiar with what happened in the Exodus, was celebrated by the Jews to remember God's rescue from slavery, not Exodus gods and kings with Christian Bale, terrible movie, but the Exodus, uh, the second book of the Bible. And so Israel was in Egypt in slavery and God rescues them through Moses and the 10, ten plagues. In the 10th plague, judgment on all the firstborn in the land, both Egyptians and Israelites. But for the nation of Israel, God provided a way out, a lamb to take the place of the firstborn son, a Passover lamb, a substitute. So when the angel of death came, uh, he would pass over the Israelites' house. And so the Passover, it points to the first exodus. And next, a very clear allusion to exodus as well as the miracle itself, uh, feeding the 5,000. Uh, it might recall a certain event that happened also in the Exodus, uh, that God, he fed Israel through the wilderness uh, with manna, miraculous bread. 
And so much so that the, the people, they recognized that, looked down to verse 14. When people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. See, they recognized that Jesus as the prophet, as something to do with Moses. And so this all alludes to the Exodus. Um, however, there's a very important distinction to make. Uh, it's not just the Exodus, but a new Exodus. You see, the, the language of the prophet is a prophecy made by Moses down in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And let me read it for you, Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. Uh, and Moses speaks of God making a prophecy. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him you shall listen. Do you notice what Moses is saying? He's saying that God will raise up a prophet, if you like, a new Moses. Not just Moses, but a new one. And Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he also speaks about a future event or something new that's happening. Isaiah 43. Um, is there in your handout? Uh, remember not the former things not consider the things of all. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So the, the Exodus rescue, this new Exodus rescue that Jesus is bringing, uh, it's not Egypt and slavery, but it's the domain of darkness. It's not Pharaoh, but Satan, the devil. It's not a physical rescue, but spiritual salvation. Isaiah writes, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Well, what has Jesus come to do? He has come to bring a new Exodus rescue. A new Exodus rescue. Well, but even as Becca was reading, I wonder whether you noticed something strange that was happening in the narrative. See, verse 14, they recognize Jesus as a prophet. But what happens in verse 15? I look down to verse 15. Perceiving then that they were about to come to take him by force to make him king, Jesus, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. What's going on there? See, they recognize him as a prophet and they want to make him king. But Jesus, he, he avoids them. See, they, they understand something about him but it seems that it got something wrong. And it seems to suggest that this new Exodus rescue, well, it's not for everyone. Um, see, it's a miraculous sign that points to this new rescue, but some people reject it. It happens in the midst of rejection. And that's where we come to our third point. It's in the midst of rejection. Not everyone benefits from it. I wonder as well as you, back as reading the passage, you noticed that there were two Israels in the passage. I look down to verse one. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Uh, the first, if you like, Israel was this large Jewish crowd that was following Jesus. But there's a second Israel, his disciples. If you like, another Israel, 
uh, taken up the mountain by God himself. It's a bit like Israel on Mount Sinai in the Exodus. Two Israels, two experiences. The first Israel, the crowds, they recognize him as a prophet. But when they, when they want to make him king by force, uh, presumably wanting him to free them from Roman oppression, uh, they want him to become a miraculous bread-making king. Uh, what is the outcome? Uh, he, re- he redraws himself from them uh, to be by himself. You see, he's a new Moses, but he's one that has left Israel behind. Uh, he's gone off by himself. But that contrasts to the other Israel. I look down to verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, or literally, I am. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him up into the boat, and immediately the boat was at land to which they were going. See, in contrast to withdrawing from from them, Jesus, he comes near to the 12 uh, 12 disciples walking on water, and he says, uh, literally, I am. Uh, Do not be afraid. I am the divine name of God revealed to Israel in Exodus 3. And so the disciples, they have a personal encounter with the the Exodus God as he steps into the boat with them. And they miraculously cross the sea. Immediately when he goes in, they reach the other side of the land. Very much like Moses bringing Israel through the sea. So you see what's happening. Two Israels, the crowds and the disciples. Two experiences. One, Jesus withdraws from them. The other, Jesus comes near. One, he refuses to be the king. The other, a divine theophany. I am, do not fear. One, a struck, um, stuck, sorry, stuck at the shore. The other, crossed across the sea. Two Israels, one rescue. You might ask, why is there a difference in experience? For that, you need to come back next week um, as the story continues. Uh, But the main point I think is clear for this week. Uh, What has Jesus come to do? Uh, He has come to bring a new Exodus rescue, but not everyone benefits from it. Well, a new Exodus rescue, I wonder whether that sounds a bit strange to our ears. Like, what does that actually mean? Uh, To put it really simply, it is a rescue. But this is a rescue not from felt needs, not from unfulfilled potential, not from bad grades, not from social issues, not from sickness, cancer and COVID, not from broken marriages. But primarily, it is a rescue from darkness, blindness, a futile mind, spiritual slavery, clutches of the devil, and God's wrath. Paul in Colossians describes it something like this. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. You see, it's the rescue that truly matters. It's the new Exodus rescue. 
And I hear you saying, well, why can't it be both? Uh, can it not be both a physical and also a spiritual rescue? And let me be clear here. I'm, I'm not saying that God doesn't take care of our material needs. Um, he, he does. You know, Jesus says very clearly in Matthew chapter 6, our Heavenly Father, He cares for us. But the specific issue that we're thinking about today is what kind of rescue does Jesus bring? And that is the main distinction between the old Exodus and the new Exodus. You see, because the old Exodus was a physical rescue. Uh, it was a political one out of Egypt into the promised land. It was also a material one um, from slavery to a land flowing with milk and honey. But the physical rescue did nothing to change the heart. See, when God, he blessed them with good jobs, Israel, they oppressed others. When God blessed them with stuff, they end up chasing for more. When he blessed them with gold, they made idols. See, the old exodus, the physical rescue, it didn't work. And that is why the prophets, they spoke of a new rescue, a one that deals with the issue, the heart issue, because the new rescue is so much better. It's forgiveness of sins, full atonement, peace with God. Isaiah writes, Behold, I have taken from your hand the cup of staggering, the bowl of my wrath, you shall drink no more. See, the new Exodus rescue is so much better. Well, a few years ago, I went to a friend's baptism. Uh, there were about 30 of them, and we had to hear 30 testimonies. Uh, so this young girl who came up and she said, shared, um, well, I um, was having a very difficult time at exams. I prayed, and then I passed my exams. Thank you, Jesus. That is why I'm being baptized today. Another man came up and says, I'm having marriage problems, and I prayed. And God helped my marriage. Thank you, Jesus. That's why I'm getting baptized today. Another woman came up. She said, well, I was really having a really tough time in my job. And I prayed and my job got better. Thank you, Jesus. That is why I'm getting baptized today. And then there was this young girl who came up. And she said, well, I've been very conscious of my sin. I've rejected God. And it's been really ugly that I've been following evil. And Jesus is my savior. He died for me. He's forgiven my sins. And I love him. That is why I'm getting baptized today. You see, Jesus, he isn't a tutor or a marriage counselor or a career advisor. He is the savior. He is the new Moses. He is I am the God, the Lord himself. That is why the new Exodus rescue is so much better. I hope this is an encouragement as you go back to work. It's true that not everyone would benefit from it. It was true back then in Jesus' times um, and true today as well. And so next week, we explore why. Why did the rejection happen? But for today, this week, if you trust in Jesus, uh, you can trust that you have experienced this rescue. A verse as we close, verse 19. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea coming near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, or I am. Do not be afraid. Let's pray. Father, praise you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he has come to bring the rescue that we really need, uh, the rescue from the domain of darkness, from blindness, from a futile mind, 
into the kingdom of light. Help us to see how good that is for us today. In Jesus' name, amen.